0: Game Changer episode 14, The Quest for Employee Engagement, featuring Elise Olding from Gartner.
1: Welcome to Game Changer, a series on using gamification to engage employees. Join us as industry experts discuss one of the hottest trends in business today using game thinking to engage employees in work, wellness, recruiting, and more. This is a special podcast series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, The Engaging Leader. And now, with nearly 20 years of experience helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees at Fortune 500 companies and other organizations, here's your host, Jesse Leahy.
0: Welcome to the show, Game Changers. This is the show for CEOs, HR executives, and other business leaders to learn about internal gamification. Over the course of this series, you'll hear examples and pitfalls, discover how to assess when it's an appropriate strategy, and learn to evaluate gamification partners and game design ideas. According to Gallup, 71% of American workers are not engaged or are actively disengaged from their work. As the hype around gamification continues, several experts have suggested that gamification is one tactic that can help organizations make the workplace more engaging and productive. But the tech research firm Gartner made headlines in late 2012 when it predicted that by 2014, 80% of current gamified applications will fail to meet business objectives, primarily because of poor design or poor implementation. Even so, Gartner also predicted that by 2015, 40% of global 1,000 organizations will use gamification as the primary mechanism to transform business operations. So, is gamification a meaningful tool for boosting employee engagement or not? To dig into that, we decided to go right to Gartner for some answers. Elise Olding is a research director at Gartner. Her areas of focus include organizational change, communication strategies, and emerging trends in employee engagement from a hands-on pra- practitioner view. Elise provides research on a worldwide basis, advising clients on best practices to achieve sustainable change and business transformation. Elise Alding, welcome to Game Changer. Thanks, Jesse. Elise, for the benefit of any listeners who don't understand what Gallup means when it says that 71% of American workers are not engaged or are actively disengaged, can you explain that?
2: Yeah, so um, we're looking at 29% of employees who are actively engaged in their work. That leaves the 71% who aren't. But fundamentally, if you go to Gallup and look at the survey they did, They look at various things like employees, you know, are you happy with your boss, would you recommend working here, do you have um, friends at work, and that sort of thing. But, you know, in the bigger picture of it, at Gartner, you know, we're looking at that saying, okay, um, what does it mean if you're not engaged at work? And that results in errors, frustration, poor customer service, a lack of, of good morale in your organization, and can cause a lot of problems. And then Gallup actually estimates that that 71% of American workers is costing the U.S. $350 million in lost productivity a year. So that's a pretty big number.
0: And when you dig into that, when when Gallup says actively disengaged, that's a rather polite way of saying these are people that hate their jobs, and that's almost 50%, I think, that actually hate their jobs.
2: Yeah, those are people that probably aren't too pleasant to work with.
0: (laughs) But there's still even just to say that they're not engaged. Maybe they don't hate their jobs, but they're surely not putting in any discretionary effort. They're kind of just putting in what's needed to get by, almost the bare minimum, you could say.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's the people who are watching the clock, um, you know, taking every break. And you know what you're really losing there is the potential for innovation and new ideas in your organization. And your engaged employees are the ones that are going to be doing it. And then I'd also say on the flip side of that, you know, given the fact that you have 29% of, the, of American workers who are engaged, I would say that we're also tending to burn those people out. They're all the go-to people in the organization, the ones that always will get the job done. So they're pulling the extra weight for the other people that aren't. And so ultimately what happens is that while you may be moving people up out of those not engaged and actively disengaged categories, I think because we have such a small, portion of, of the workers on average that tend to be in that engaged category, that we probably burn them out and we cycle and churn them through too and they become not engaged for a while while they're trying to recover.
0: Yeah, it's that's really sad when you think about it. They're very high potential people or even for a period of time are high highly pro- productive, but then they get burnt out and not only are they, they get to be where they're not pulling their own weight and, and even dragging other people down. Or they're leaving early, leaving the organization, and then you have the higher turnover costs.
2: Yes, yeah. and those turnover costs can be quite a lot, but one to one and a half times an employee's salary.
0: Yeah, that's pretty significant. When you think of, let's say, a knowledge worker who is has a salary of 75000 or or 100000 or more, and you add on their benefits and, and the rest of their total compensation, and you say the cost to replace them could easily be 100% of that. Yeah. Now, you look at employee engagement from a pretty holistic perspective. You're, you're broader than just gamification, but gamification has come along to you as a pretty significant strategy in employee engagement. Why Why did that get on your radar screen?
2: Well, because I think it's really the intersection of technology and behavioral science. And it enables us to look at behavior, which has always been a challenge in the organization, and be able to actually look, measure, and understand what's driving behavior. And then when I look at gamification, you think about what the um, tenets of it are. It's about achieving goals and having a clear goal, having rules that dictate the way that you are going about doing an activity, getting immediate feedback and connection, connecting actions to outcomes. And I think those are all really compelling things to drive results in our organization.
0: Now, Gardner has made some headlines recently that, hey, there's a lot of gamification applications out there that really haven't been designed effectively and aren't going to be uh, effective in the long run. And, And then you've yourself said that your recent research found only a handful of effective implementations that demonstrated measurable increased employee engagement. Can you share some of those examples with us?
2: One great example that I like a lot is Not Your Average Joe's. Not Your Average Joe's is a restaurant. And what the gamified component of the work that they're doing there is to look at engaging the wait staff. So when you think about a restaurant... Wait staff aren't normally um, necessarily professional types. You know, they're looking at getting into work, doing their job and going home and, and getting on with their life. But what we have in many operational systems, and particularly at a restaurant, is a lot of data about what goes on. You have what time a meal was served, when the order went in, what the tip was, and many times, you know, is that customer come back through loyalty programs. So by... Understanding what motivates wait staff, which is primarily being able to pick a shift that they are desirous of having and something that they want. and maybe fits in their schedule. Maybe you're a working mom. You want to come in in the afternoon. Um, Maybe you are um, a, a student and you want to work on the weekends to get higher tips. So through actually analyzing the various metrics coming out of the operational system, they're able to put together challenges in the form um, of, of continuous improvement tips that the wait staff would do to increase their performance. So it might be something like they could analyze the metrics and see that one of the wait staff didn't sell as many appetizers during happy hours as the rest of the staff did. So their challenge could be um, sell six appetizers during happy hour every day this week. Mm-hmm. Once they achieve that then, they'd get to put in for the shift they wanted in a lottery. So that incents them not only to continually improve, to provide better service, but also to be able to have some flexibility about what their schedule is.
0: You know, that's interesting. I, I recently saw an example of a gamification software product called Muse by Objective Logistics that is also for restaurant wait staff. But my impression, and not that I saw a working example, I just saw screen captures, but it looked like Their approach was from the motivation of increasing tips, and so it was sort of like creating competition who got the most tips, which of course usually also means who's bringing in the most money for the restaurant as well. And it's interesting that Not Your Average Joe's analyzed their servers and said, no, what what really motivates our servers is getting to choose their own shift. So you you can't just make an assumption. You really have to evaluate the specific audience.
2: Yeah, and that's the same example. So I think it's always important to really think back is what's the motivation? And that's why gamification is a challenge because ultimately it's about behavior. And so you have to understand what drives behavior, what motivates people, and what will incent them.
0: So that's interesting that Not Your Average Joe's used the Muse product by objective logistics. And my sort of superficial view of it was that they were entirely just creating an incentive around tips, but the deeper level motivation had to go back to being able to choose the shift that they want.
2: Yeah, and this is the challenge I think many times in armchair gamification, is that you've got to dig into Behavior and what's driving behavior and what motivates people and what's going to keep them motivated. And that's really the challenge.
0: And what results has Not Your Average Joe's uh, received from that? Did it actually impact their bottom line?
2: Yeah, so the, what's been reported is a 3% increase in sales and an 11% increase in the tips to the
0: wait staff. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, in a, in, a, in the restaurant industry, it's pretty much a penny-on-the-dollar business. So if you have a, a 3% increase in sales, that is a huge impact to their margin.
2: Yeah, and I think you know we're seeing when gamification is applied with a lot of rigor and thought around driving results and then what is the associated behavior can be a very, very powerful tool.
0: Do you have any other success stories that uh, you think would be good to share?
2: There's a digital media company in the UK that was having a challenge in tracking progress of the digital media products that they were developing. And obviously, when you're a small company, it's really important for you to be able to understand where you are, when you're going to deliver something, and when your client calls up and wants to ask about, when am I going to get that, be able to say with confidence you're on target. So the CEO of this digital media company had been coming down hard on his employees for not entering their information into the project management system so they could see where's the progress and what progress they were making on things. But that was just creating morale issues. And so the solution was that they employed a tool called Red Critter, which is a gamified project management application. and it's encouraged the employees to enter their information, but most importantly, it actually connected the employees' actions to the outcomes of the organization. Because obviously, if you can't bill, you can't receive the income, and hence you likely can't pay employees if you're a small organization. Mm -hmm. So through showing progress bars, um, giving points, and actually custom-designed badges that are culturally contexted into this digital media company, they're able to the workers to enter their information. It then will give them badges that may say you're an, you're an all-nighter or you're somebody that can solve problems. And it gives a personality to those different people so that actually as you're assigning resources, you can see maybe where skills are. And the outcome of all this has been that the company has been able to take on a couple more projects every month because they see what the resource allocation is. The CEO's happy and the employees are happy.
0: Yeah, that that is interesting, and it's interesting too how sometimes just a little bit of feedback, such as a little icon that that shows, hey, somebody does notice that you've whether or not you've entered your data, and and uh, it's been a while. We we miss you, you know, sad face, or here's a smiley face because you you have entered it recently. It's not necessarily all about competition, just sometimes that more immediate feedback uh, helps people realize that, hey, what I do makes a difference.
2: Yeah, and that's a good point you've made, too. Um, What you were alluding to with Slalom Consulting and their time system, which is called um, a promptitude, and it has various faces to show how timely you were entering your information. So again, a consulting firm can only bill when they actually have your hours entered. But the important thing here is connecting the employee's actions. The other part that you mentioned was it doesn't have to be something you're sharing with everybody. The mere fact that they're getting feedback personally on their screen about their performance is enough to give that nudge so that they actually create the time entry do the behavior that wanted them.
0: Now, is gamification a silver bullet for the problem of employee engagement?
2: No. What really needs to happen is to be able to look at how you understand you know, what are the current behaviors that are happening in your organization and what are the desired behaviors, then beginning to understand You know, what's the work that's going on in your organization and what behaviors are currently in that work and being supported by the metrics that you have your organization, then looking at you have an opportunity to redesign the work at that point. And I think this is critical. It's not just about gamifying the current work. You're going to do it, then figure out what the right business process is, and then what behaviors you want in that new environment. And then this is finally where it starts to come into play. And you'll look at those game mechanics and start to look at where's the match of what I'm trying to achieve in my outcome, which game mechanic will get me there, I can implement that, then I've got to measure and monitor it, and then I've got to continue to up the game and think about iterations so that once people reach a certain competency level or or achieve that challenge, what's the next one?
0: One question I have, I wonder if you're familiar with Ross Smith from Microsoft and how he has that matrix uh, where he, he regarding his thinking on where gamification works best in the workplace?
2: I've seen that, but it's not coming to mind. Right okay. off. I, I know about his Microsoft Language Game.
0: Yeah, the the quality game. He's suggesting that work that is a, a core skill to pretty much everybody in the organization is a good candidate for gamification so for example with the Microsoft language quality game hey anybody in this particular country should be able to do that but if it's a if it's work that's basically part of your day-in day-out job this is what I'm doing 8-10 hours a day or more that uh, that's not such a good candidate for gamification unless you're really still at a learning stage in which you can gamify the learning and development but that it's too likely to create maybe game fatigue uh, would be a problem. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that.
2: I think as a rule of thumb, that's a good thing to think about. You know, however, what I would say, I think it's very nascent that we're actually thinking about immediate feedback, defining goals, and creating the progress of the actions that we're taking to the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. And I think that whole area is a ripe for opportunity for gamification. So I think it does, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to bleed into your day-in and day-out job. You know, Just simply think about if every day you left work and you knew what you accomplished that day in relation to the organization you're working for and what their goals are, you'd feel really great versus that once-a-year performance review.
0: Yeah, that's right it just it's and and well if we go back to Gallup i mean e- and their research that even negative feedback is more engaging than no feedback the point is just make sure that 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 people are getting feedback so they know how they're doing and obviously having some healthy healthy mix with positive feedback is is even better than all negative feedback but for goodness sake give people feedback yeah i
2: would i would definitely vote for the positive
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, do you are you aware of any signs that a certain area may not be a good candidate for gamification?
2: Well I, I think you were talking about dead ends, game fatigue, and that kind of stuff. So I think one-off games to um, get to a certain level need to be recognized for just that and not kept beyond their their lifespan. You know, maybe if you're bringing new employees in and trying to get a competency, that's fine. It's, it's something you do to achieve that. But um, you know, what I also think doesn't work is sticking a lot of badges on everything or, and taking meaningless actions and trying to create some sort of achievement out of an action that really doesn't mean.
0: Elise, you've recently written about tips from your research for applying gamification within the enterprise. Uh, you've, you've suggested four tips, and the first one is strive for collaboration. Why is that so important?
2: Well, I think that gamification is often associated with competition. You know, hence we tend to think about games. And that riles a lot of people up because we all have different personalities. Some of us are more collaborative. Some of us want to keep information or, you know, maybe our scores or achievements personal. And there's certainly different kind of cultural norms. So I try to it, within the enterprise think about how do you get people to work together versus work against each other. You know, one way is to think about designing a leaderboard. So a straight leaderboard may be rather a disincentive to me if I'm number one hundred, back ranked against the other hundred of my colleagues. But Maybe the person two and number one, frankly, if you're looking at employee engagement, just because they're number one doesn't mean they're engaged. So maybe what you do is actually you take number one, and their challenge is to help number 100 get up five levels to become number 95, and that that's their challenge, and they get to maintain their status if they do that. And then it also moves me up, and I'm getting to learn the best practices from colleagues in my organization. So I think it just requires a little bit of retooling and not always jumping to stack ranking and individual kinds of achievements.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because it is true that the first thing that people jump to is a game that would involve competition.
2: Yeah, and we're not all competitors, you know, and and I think that, frankly, that will be a limiting factor if that's the primary association with gamification.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the big things I learned from the, the work of... Amy Jo Kim and just saying when people, when people play different games they're doing it for different reasons and if you only make a game around competition you're going to miss a lot of people that either that's not their primary reason for play it might even be a negative for them.
2: Yeah I mean I think about games with friends you know word with friends right and mm-hmm. you hear all the time that somebody's playing with their grandmother and the primary thing that they're really doing is chatting with each other game is just a way for them to communicate and, and to collaborate.
0: Yeah, which are very important in the workplace, both from an engagement perspective but also a uh, innovating and getting important things done perspective. Now, the second tip that you provide from your research is define your transformation objectives, metrics, and desired outcomes. So you're focusing on outcomes first before you worry about what specific things you want to gamify.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Everything in business is about an outcome. And if you're not able to achieve that outcome, it's rather hard to design what the mechanisms are going to be for you to get there. So hence, you know, we do see some of the things that are going on now with badge fatigue, pointification, and poorly designed, kinds of games that actually fatigue people and or they're achieved really easily so you know back to the organizations that I do see are making good progress on this they have behavioral scientists and those behavioral scientists are actually looking at behavior what drives that behavior understanding motivation and then understanding the appropriate game techniques or gamification techniques and applying those and then looking at how to iterate over time to continue to that desired behavior and it.
0: The third tip is to understand what works in a particular culture. And we were sort of alluding to that when we talked about Not Your Average Joes.
2: Well, you know, I, I think that obviously cross-culturally there there's obvious differences. You know, we, we all know that around the globe. And think of the example where you're creating a game and you may have currency in different values around the world. So in some kind of Africa and or you know, Asia, it may cost you a hundred thousand of your currency to buy a loaf of bread. In the US it costs four. So how how do you rotate points around so that they're meaningful? That's that's one kind of thing to consider. But then there's also some you know, you need to make your games your your gamification techniques so they're opt in. And also too, that you understand the different kinds of behaviors, even in your own organization. So finance has a different culture than your R&Ds and sales. And again, it's down to understanding what motivates those people and then what kind of game, gamification techniques are going to be the best to create that desired behavior. That you,
0: want. you know, it's interesting. I recently interviewed two different CEOs of gamification vendors, providers who are uh, selling software as a, a service Solutions into sales organizations, and so when I asked the question, now doesn't it isn't it risky that your gamifying activities really are all around competition because there's more to motivation than competition? And they both said, well, actually, in sales departments, from what we've always seen, people who are in sales have self-selected because to Because they like competition, they wouldn't really be in that if they weren't motivated by competition. Yeah,
2: and and so it's important to know your audience.
0: Yep, which is a very, that obviously doesn't just apply to gamification, it applies to all types of communication and engagement and leadership in general. And then your fourth and final tip that you've written about is planning for iterations and actually upping the game over time.
2: Yeah, and and this is probably the most challenging thing. Because Again, you've got to look at the analytics or the metrics and the measures that are going to come out of the activities that you've designed to determine if that's worked. In some cases, you know, your your first real question is, gee, is it even helping me achieve the behaviors that I'm looking for? And then for those, you're going to have people moving at different speeds through that as well. So how are you going to create that next challenge for somebody that's already ahead of the pack and then how are you going to continue to engage that person who may be struggling a little bit? So you know, the thing I think that we can begin to think about is the idea of what the restaurant was doing was actually analyzing the analytics and determining continuous improvement activities and posing those to people as challenges. So again, like the leaderboard example, take your number one, two, and three back-ranked employees and have them help the people at the bottom to move up. So you may have different kinds of challenges as well. And I, and I think this is the part that, that you know, we, we tend not to embrace because from an IT perspective and many times in organizations, we like the one-and-done mentality.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've, you've talked about how a lot of the least engaged employees are those that have five to seven years of experience so they've, they've been around and things have gotten old and so you've got if you've been so far motivating certain behaviors uh that that they could really get fatigued from that unless you can start to reward them for higher level activities
2: yeah i mean you know when you even think about a department say marketing you have the Senior vice president of marketing, and then you have everybody to your your marketing coordinator. They have different levels and skills right out of the gate. So, you know, you, you can't expect them to all be playing on a level level playing field together. You've got to even start out so you don't create frustration in new employees and you actually genuinely challenge those who are already very accomplished.
0: So we've been talking about four tips For applying gamification within the enterprise, strive for collaboration, define your transformation objectives, metrics, and desired outcomes, understand what works in a particular culture, and planning for iterations and upping the game to avoid fatigue, foster continued engagement, and promote continuous improvement. Elise, how can people find out more about you and your work?
2: Well, we have a body of research published at Gartner. There's quite a number of analysts that have taken on notes in the various areas. But I actually have a couple of notes. One is gamification, the serious side of games can make work more interesting. And another note, these were both published in 2012, another note on best practices for harnessing gamification's potential in the workplace. But again, if you come to Gartner.com, we actually have a whole note set um, that Brian Burke led last year on the topic, which, is, which covers many, many different areas
0: of game- Elise Olding is Research Director at Gartner. Elise, thank you for joining us on Game Changer. Thank you, Jesse. And we'll provide Elise's contact information and links to her two recent research reports on enterprise gamification. In our show notes for this episode, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash GC14, as in Game Changer episode 14. And if you're working on the Game Changer series puzzle, our final clue is a question mark. You heard that right. A question mark is what goes in the space for episode 14 on the game board. There are other clues in the previous 13 episodes of the Game Changer series, as well as in Engaging Leader podcast episode 38 featuring Kevin Werbach. From those 15 clues, if you can be the first person to guess the secret phrase, you will win a $100 gift card from Amazon. As of right now, no one has won yet. So as soon as you think you know the secret phrase, email it to me at jesse at engagingleader.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the weekly leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share more ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Until next time, remember, life is short, so keep it fun.
1: You can find both Game Changer and Engaging Leader podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. To stay up on the latest news and trends in internal gamification, join the Game Changer group on LinkedIn. We'll automatically direct you to our LinkedIn group when you go to engagingleader.com group. Subscribe to our e-digest at engagingleader.com newsletter. When you do, we'll send you a free copy of Jesse's ebook, Eight Communication Tools for Leaders. You can also follow Jesse on Twitter, at Jesse Leahy, and like us at facebook.com engagingleader. Game Changer is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that helps mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, and Peter McIsaac, who composed our theme music.